Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of Roadmapped, a podcast where we chat with product leaders around the world about their journey into product management and explore the decisions behind the products they work on. I'm your host, Sean Crow, along with my business partner, Thomas Kruczynski. And today we're super excited to welcome our guest, BJ Jacobs. BJ is the Vice President of Growth and Digital Products at a New York City-based company called Byheart. Uh, which is a fully integrated infant nutrition company. Uh, thanks for chatting with us today, BJ. Thank you, guys. And Appreciate happy, it. happy Monday morning. <laughs> as well, as well. 9 a.m., bright and early, folks. <laughs> awesome. Tell us a little bit about Byheart. It looks like a pretty interesting company and what your role is uh, on the team there. Um, so Byheart was founded almost five years ago, actually. Uh, the founders came in and said, infant formula, um, there's a lot of room for improvement. And, you know, it's the first time parents kind of feel like maybe they're failing at something when they have to turn to formula and let's give them a product they're proud of. Um, went, went out and did a lot of research and said, we can improve the fats, we can improve the sugars, we can improve the proteins, but we have nowhere to make it. Um, infant formula is regulated much like a pharmaceutical, not a food. So um, there's very few places to manufacture unless you're going the Coman route or, or one of the multi-billion dollar uh, conglomerates that manufacture infant formula today. Uh, so we bought a factory um, in, in Reading, Pennsylvania and have been, we just completed enrollment in our clinical trial, which is a huge milestone and we're set for launch in 2021. Um, so I've been building with my team in the background, all of the infrastructure to get us set up for a successful D2C launch. We're building um, some amazing commerce product that we think, you know, is, in, is really important. Parents are used to just being able to throw a can of formula in the cart, and it's really not something you can hang out and wait for. So we have to be really smart about how we transact with customers. Um, and also building some product around audience development and community and helping feed the top of funnel. Um, so we've been up to really, really excited to show, show the world, um, yeah. everything happening in the background right now, man. So it took five years, uh, from launch to, to get to market. Yeah. I mean, certainly a slow ramp. It's tons of research. They brought together a team, um, of just really amazing thinkers from this space, formulators and regulators and quality folks and people that knew where to source the best milk. And, um, you know, we took a long time to get from I actually tasted three-year-old formula, which was our first kind of trial run at a factory in Ireland, maybe three months ago, against the advice of quality. I have to uh, make that very clear. But um, yeah, to get from that formula to the one that we're, you know, we're in clinical trial with, um, and are submitting for registration to the FDA um, in a matter of months. It's been years, years. Um, I joined a year ago and just building the infrastructure to support this um, in a highly regulated environment uh, has taken has taken this long. And I think it'll be 18 months before we we have anything of substance public facing on the product side. Yeah, that's interesting. It sounds like a, a cool challenge, right? Because um, it's not a typical e-commerce store. It sounds it's like there's a, lo- a lot of hoops you have to jump through, a lot of regulation, and just something you're not used to buying online. 
it's that's the thing. Yeah, I, I think it's it's not something you're used to buying online. It's not showing up. It's not throwing up a Shopify instance and like putting some bells and whistles on a product landing page and moving on. Um, we happen to be using Shopify, but in I think a pretty smart way. Um, and the other side of it is you really want to build community, and you know there's a lot of a lot of money invested. There's just over $5 billion of infant formula sold in this country. And it's pretty much bifurcated between two big giants, um, Infamil and Similac. And we have to be smarter and we have to use kind of digital product to build the awareness and community that they have with decades of experience and reputation and money that um, – it'll be a long time before we can spend to go head to head with some of the, the media spend and the, um, the money that they invest in speaking to healthcare professionals. It'll be a really long time before we can do that. So we have to be smarter and use digital product in, in smart ways and really help leverage network effect and these amazing experts we've assembled and these ambassadors that have been on board for the ride and give them a forum. So that's the other thing that's not a traditional build. Um, I, I spent some time at Goop, which is Gwyneth Paltrow's startup, which is a balance of content and commerce. I don't know if we can call Goop a startup anymore, but when I joined, it was certainly, <laughs> certainly a very uh, startup vibe. We were in, we had just left a WeWork um, when I joined. So I guess that's still startup. That but, counts um, as a startup. <laughs> yeah, right. Uh, so not unlike that, where there's like thought going into both sides of the house. A content experience, which we're evolving into more of a community experience and a proper commerce experience as well. So you said that you're using Shopify, even though this isn't necessarily a typical commerce. What are the differences then from your what you're going to launch than like a normal Shopify spin-up? Yeah, so we're actually roadmapping the e-commerce build now. Um, because we're... In, in working with, we don't have development in-house by design. Um, I, you know, it's it's been a decision that I made since I joined that I think that we can use agency partners in smart ways and augment our team and, you know, have real subject matter expertise that we could just never justify bringing in-house. So we're working on identifying the, the proper agency to help us with this. Um, we've built the content side of the house. Um using Contentful as a CMS. And the thought was, hey, there's so much upside to using Shopify. There's so much ease of integration and ease of use and, you know, quick plug and play communication to our order management system at our 3PL and amazing, you know, I don't need to go on singing the praise of Shopify, but we want to do cooler things on the front end and we want to unify accounts. So we're actually using Contentful um, as the overarching CMS and Shopify under this CMS, which is headless. So feeding, using Shopify to power the cart, the checkout, but the kind everything leading to it. We're also doing a lot of logic on the front end to help people understand, you know, we can take in signals. How old is your baby? How, how are you feeding your baby? And start to customize what your order cadence should look like. Um, which just can't really be done on a basic Shopify front end. There's tons of kind of like contingent logic. 
that powers that. Um, and outside of like throwing a weird decision tree in front of a customer, um, in Shopify, we needed, we needed something else. So we're getting, I hope the benefits of Shopify with, um, a little more robust ability to serve content under this headless CMS. Will you be able to use the the basic uh, cheap version of Shopify or do you have to go to the ultra premium uh, custom one? <laughs> um, so for a number of reasons, Shopify plus just makes sense for us. Um, you know, I hope I'm, hope I'm okay to say this, but there, there are subscribe we're not calling it subscribe and it's not a proper subscription where it's get two cans a month. It's much more thoughtful. Um, but there are recurring charges, which is better than saying subscribe, which kind of puts us my understanding into that Shopify plus bucket. Um, you know, I, I think we're planning on building not a rocket ship cause I hate that cliche, but like building something big and, um, the nominal charge of Shopify plus a year is worth it to just not have to then say, Oh, let's go Shopify plus. We ran into this hurdle where we need to upgrade. Um, I think that enhanced reporting, I think, um, I wouldn't consider building on cheap Shopify. I think from just knowing Shopify plus so well. That's cool. Yeah. We, um, We've definitely dabbled a bunch within the, the Shopify space and can, um, whenever we work with uh, startups that try to do subscriptions with Shopify, it is just, um, there's something Shopify is really good at. And then there's some things um, people try to like force Shopify to do, just like they make WordPress themes kind of promise you the world. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and you end up doing more work to like try oh, to retrofit. Yep. That it would just do it the right way from get go. Um, oh, yeah. But uh, I think Shopify's getting better about working with, I want to call it subscriptions because I don't think we're a subscription product. It would be silly to say like, hey, foresee how much infant formula you're going to need when your kid mm -hmm. is quadrupled in size. Um, but, you know, we do have recurring payments and stored payments and like auto ship functionality. Um, so I've been looking at the space that I haven't looked at for a while and the, mm -hmm. um, the kind of third parties that Shopify is playing nicely with have evolved. Um, I think they've actually announced three that they plan to play nicer with. Um, and hopefully that'll help some of these strife points. Yeah. I mean, Shopify definitely has enough money. Um, yeah. to, it up. <laughs> to start like new initiatives. So hopefully they're probably just as, I mean, they're, they're probably more busy than zoom and everything. But I must say when Shopify does something themselves, they do it well too. So why oh, yeah. allow these third parties? I'm kind of curious, you know, I think the, you know, Shopify is for businesses. Shop is for customers. And I think everything they've done in the last 12 months, that's customer facing within shop app and shop pay is mm -hmm. genius. You know, sure, they could have used a third party to, like, do better package tracking or they could have really doubled down on any of the digital wallets that already exist with ShopPay. But, like, they have just done it better than anybody else. I think the two-factor authentication, like, to make a payment is genius. And then the, like, stored risk is genius. And just, um, 
really smart. So I, I'm so, curious why they let three kind of third parties come in and play in this space more closely rather than just doing it really well themselves because they do mm-hmm. things really well. Absolutely. What, um, so what is it like, uh, being basically like a, almost like a, the, like a digital product manager, right. For a product that's 0% digital. And it's just like, it's, it's, it's baby formula, right. So it's completely physical. So how does, how do you like, um, like marry the two together and how does even leadership within the company kind of justify like that? This really needs yeah. to be digital first to be successful. Yeah. Well, I started my career in like really content heavy spaces. I started my career actually at Miami. Um, I worked for Red Bull. So this kind of like brand that knew that there's a much bigger world other than the physical 8.3 ounce can. Um, And I had amazing opportunity with Red Bull. So that like kind of like got me thinking about like this wraparound and building brand. And then I went and as a beverage where there's no better content, (laughs) there's no better content house, you know, there just isn't. Um, then I went to pure play content. I went to the New York times, um, for a number of years, I think three and a half years first in marketing and then in product. Um, and was just really thinking about this, like digital only experience and everything we sell is digital. And we were like trying to, and since then I've like really focused on high growth, direct to consumer brands, um, that all have a physical product, but put as much value and like, this experience and that that's our upside. Um, there, you know, these brands, these legacy brands that are on the shelf, they can't offer that. They can't reinvent the customer experience to rule out the retailer and, um, have this direct relationship and build support content and community. And, um, that's the joy of building a direct to consumer product is we get that. And I think our founders believe wholly in that. Um, I think our founders, I hate to speak for them, but I'm going to really believe that we have a responsibility to parents, um, beyond just giving them a better product. We have to educate, um, parents about nutrition. Um, one thing that's come out in this many year journey is pediatricians don't know much about infant nutrition. When you speak to your pediatrician, who's who you should be going to, they don't know much other than all infant formula is kind of the same. The FDA has high standards. If it meets them, it's cool. Um, And they know how much you should drink. But if you start getting into like what proteins are important and um, they don't know how to help you. And then you have these big infant formula brands that are like drilling down these key terms DHA, ARA, whatever it doesn't things that they don't parents don't know what it is. So like we have a responsibility to build product that educates and like starts conversation and empowers parents to feel like they're playing, you know, they're not that failure because they can't or choose not to breastfeed. Um, they have choices and that's the mission that like I was hired, um, under and I'm really fortunate. So we've had I don't know anybody else who's invested what we have in digital product pre-launch. Um, we've invested a huge sum of money, but more importantly, a huge sum of brain share to um, building this education community platform that we hope will be the machine that feeds the sales of digital of a physical product. Yes. Yeah, so how does that, how does that work and look for you guys? Like building this community, it's, it's a social commerce, right? This kind of 
starting to become uh, more relevant. What's the strategy there? Is it just pushing out content on all the platforms or how does that actually work for you guys? um, You know, the way that we looked at it is we said, hey, search is the best indicator of parents have a question and the results are the best indicator of do answers exist. Um, And there are terms that parents have questions and they're in these like shared moments um, and we don't see great search results. You know, we don't see even people trying to give good search results around things that like they don't think they can monetize poop, right? Like parents have lots of questions about poop. So how can we start answering those questions and not only answer them from our voice, but bring together experts and, you know, other like-minded parents and offer opportunities for UGC and bring together classes and one-on-one. So like we've built less on other platforms is the kind of mission, but like how do we build a space where people can land from these questions or the experts can push people or the ambassadors can push people or like-minded parents can push people and like start to answer these questions that might not be related to formula, but are definitely related to early parenthood Um, and early parenthood is all about feeding, right? So like you got one responsibility. It's like, keep your kid fed, um, and like out of harm's way. But all of the strife in early parenthood is about feeding in my mind, um, or most of it. So like, that's the community that we've built or are building. Um, and the hope is that, uh, that that's what will power, of sales of physical goods that like these people will have come here, learned, been a part of something bigger, feel safe, feel heard. You know, if we can really be of service, then offer the best product we know how to make. Um, we think there's something magic there. So when, so it's really exciting. Like when, and, um, and, you can like see the roadmap, right? Of like, okay, well, we're going to build a community. We're going to be like an, like a leader in education here because these other brands that are dominating the market right now are clearly not doing this and they can't really do this in the first, it's just going to be really difficult for them to, right? Um, but then you're in the meantime, you know, creating this brand and then you have all these different kind of like market segments. Sorry for the, the, the cat here. Um, how... So I could like really easily see that as you're building a community, as you start seeing these like possibilities of different new product avenues, how do you stay focused to just your core one? Or is this also a platform for you to figure out like what's next for the company and continue expanding? I think you hit the nail on the head. I mean, we don't have a physical product roadmap. Um, locked in stone we have great ideas and we have amazing scientists and amazing physicians and amazing marketers already i think we have one of the biggest teams i've ever could imagine for a pre-launch brand um we have great ideas and we're researching all of them but like yes this platform is not meant to just kind of sit there we want to listen to it we want it to you know we want to hear what people are saying and we've um integrated, I think, some really smart ways to listen, some really smart ways to participate, some really smart ways to segment and understand serviceable market in this product. Um, I think there have been a a couple of people that have done it well, but like, 
case study in this is Glossier, for sure. Um, and we were very fortunate as I was like writing kind of the initial documents to launch this community product. Spent a lot of time talking to some glossy AOGs about, you know, what works, what doesn't work. They think, you know, took some of their advice, threw away some of their advice. But um, yeah, you hit the nail on the head. We definitely want to um, be of service, create this destination, but we want it to be a two-way street. We want to learn and listen and understand. Um, there's a lot to learn where um, I harp on this often, but like we sit on a coast and we look like a very specific customer. We built a product to service all parents. Um, and without listening to like a broad swath of parents and what the, not only their, what the experience looks like in Chicago versus New York versus LA, but you know, different family makeups, different, um, socioeconomic circumstances, types of babies, twin moms, like we don't know. So like, how do we, that was like another fun part of this product. Like, how are we going to like understand the nuances of early parenthood to listen to it really specifically? Interesting. Yeah. The, we keep seeing social commerce, like being more, more relevant, um, and a lot more people talking about it. So it's, it'll be pretty cool to see when you guys launch this, like how you're able to listen and interact and, and react to, to all of that noise, you know? Yeah. Excited. We're, uh, was, we're making big bets. Let's, let's hope, let's hope yep. it works. <laughs> really envision. Yeah. I was on your site and you, you mentioned your large team. It's insane how many people you have on your team <laughs> as a pre-launch company. Like I was <laughs> like, I, I could not believe it. <laughs> you have to be funded. You have to have so much funding. <laughs> um, we were, it's been a, almost a year. We raised like a really incredible Series A. Um, just the most amazing investors saw the magic in what we're doing. And we did raise a really significant um, sum. But more importantly, I think we brought together like just the right people. Um, I'm not sure. I think a lot of the team existed before that, you know, just really believing in what we're doing, which is nice. What you see on our website isn't even, I think in the last two weeks, we've had like five new hires. I have a, there's a, there's a um, senior director of digital product that started and a director of content that started and a, a nutrition writer that started. And it's gotten even, it's gotten even bigger in just like two weeks. They're not even up on the website yet. It's awesome. You, you mentioned earlier that you, you were really harping on the decision to, outsource development because we see a lot of times when companies raise significant rounds like that they want to do the opposite they want to bring it in-house and spend the money to to cultivate their own team and that's usually when thomas and i have to <laughs> part ways with the client because they just like you know got, got huge and they want to hire their own people um wh why did you want to make that decision uh, and what kind of went into that um i think we could hire a lot of doers but I don't think we have the ability to hire a lot of doers and a lot of thinkers right now. Um, and just hiring a bunch of doers could be a disaster. Um, I think when you hire, um, you end up building, not buying anything. Um, from past experience, you know, you start rebuilding things that are native to Shopify or 
you know, rebuilding your own commenting platform or rebuilding your, own, you know, and it's like, why are we building this? Like, I would rather, you know, I would rather spend a little more money over the course of its life and never wake up one day and have it be totally unusable. Um, we spoke to a lot of folks who have built everything homegrown um, and they definitely shared the benefits of it, but they also shared the pain point of when your entire quiz breaks because, you know, you built a quiz that powers your entire subscription funnel um, and browsers stop supporting the JS call that you're making, you know, and like one day you wake up and you're like, Oh crap. Um, Hopefully we won't have that um, because we are looking to partners that have a a insight into things bigger than just our digital product roadmap, but also um, are happy to buy things. You know, when you, when you turn to agency partners, they're like, Oh great. I don't have to build that. Cool. Um, and I get to learn about something new and how to integrate it and integrate it intelligently. And like, that was my thought. Um, Hey, it could change, you know, like this totally could change. Um, I also think once you've committed to a a platform like Shopify, there's less pressure to build, right? Like this platform does a lot. Um, so let's let's hire people that maybe don't sit in our four walls but know this platform in and out. Totally. And it's it's never worth it to rebuild a commenting uh, feature. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's a real example. Um, yeah, that's a real example. You know, never worth trying to figure out how to build our own like hey, we're talking about like this community portal. There's going to be a lot of moderation. Like my nightmares that someone's trying to build AI to like real-time moderate out and you're like no, this exists guys and it's like 299 dollars a month i'll pay it like please please spare me <laughs> i don't have any experience with the ai moderation but I, i've looked at those products a few times and they look pretty awesome like i was surprised that how like useful cool. those are it looks cool and like the one that we chose um for my initial research i think that's going to help us not just moderate but also learn from the type of language that's being used and like kind of, you know, to the earlier conversation, learn about what our customers are saying and want and need and how they look different and like analyze language, not just moderate it, which is pretty exciting. That would not be the case if we built it ourselves, I promise. <laughs> yes. Is is there anything like if we fast forward, I don't know, five, 10 years, is there anything that you're super excited to be able to figure out once you have five to 10 years of data where you're like, you you wish you could know that know this information now, but um, it's going to take a while to, to gather all that data. Oh, I think the obvious one is like, um, how do people use infant formula? You know, beyond just the CDC recommendation, right? Like, right now, our recommendations are built on at three months, a baby consumes an eight ounce bottle x times a day. It takes this many scoops. Like, I'm excited to get that to the point where Harry's is right now, where like. I've never had more than six razors in my cabinet and I've never run out. Like, how did they figure that out? We all shave different times. Like I'm talking to two guys right now. You get it. Like I don't shave every day. You don't shave every day. Maybe you do like, you know, like in how diff- how long do you go in between? But like, they just figure it out. I'm excited for that. Um, I'm really excited to figure out SMS commerce and like, can you know, conversational commerce. Um, it's like my current, 
how do we do like account management and like manage that frequency of sending um, just via a quick text message. Um, I don't think any, very few people have done it well. Very few have even started to explore it. I think we're starting to explore it early and it'll take four or five years to get it right where it doesn't feel like a novelty, but feels just like part of the experience. Um, those are the big things I think fast forwarding I'm excited for. There'll be a hundred more, but yeah. <laughs> yeah. The, the SMS will be cool. I know. I mean, the obvious one is Gary V that does that. Uh, he's got his texting group, but with his wine company, they had a, a like sommelier in your pocket type. Yeah. I get asked for it. What is it called? Uh, Empathy Wines is the name of his company, but they have a, yeah, they have an SMS platform where you're texting with, I think a human, I, I think, um, but it looked pretty cool. Um, yeah, excited to learn more about it and play with it. And we're playing with, you know, Dirty Lemon right now, which is a water subscription company that like you do all of your account management and reordering post initial purchase via tax. Um, I always get the name wrong. T-A-I-K-A, I think, is another one that's a beverage brand that does something similar. In fact, they put their cans, have their tax, their, what is it, 10-digit phone number bigger than their brand on the can for reorder. Um, we're trying to figure it out. It's 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 going to be fun. Yeah, that's exciting. I, I I tried a few months ago, I tried signing us up, Thomas, for like the iMessage business. And it was actually a lot more complicated than I wanted it to be. Um, because like I, I my the notebook company, we order notebooks from Baron Fig. They're a New York company. For like a hot minute, they had iMessage at the bottom right of their, their website as the chat. And you could just like, I messaged them and it was awesome. It was like the coolest thing ever, but then they got rid of it. I don't know what happened. <laughs> yeah, I'm yeah, I'm excited to play with it more for sure. I think there's a lot there. Like I think that people find SMS burdensome because it's just been batch and blast marketing for so long. But it can be really powerful. Like what time in your life do you have less time to sit down in front of a desktop and change your account settings and like right after you gave birth? You know, like you're a new dad, your wife's exhausted, she's asleep, you're taking the midnight feeding and you're like, oh crap, we have one can left. Like shoot a text. I don't have time to open up my laptop. I barely have time to figure out anything. So I think it's important that we we sort it. Another good reason why I wanted to go headless rather than straight Shopify. Yep. Yeah, and there's a lot of cool things. I mean, obviously you've thought about all this stuff, but it's just like a lot of cool opportunity. Because uh, I, I think last week I saw an ad for a coffee company and I can't remember the name of it. It's It had a clever name, but it came with a scale, right? And you put your bag on the scale and you can use it to weigh your coffee. But as soon as the, the weight gets down to a certain level, it automatically orders you more coffee. If you find that, will you send it to me? Yeah, it's called like bottomless or something clever like that. I don't know if it's if it's exactly that, but I'll find it. I'll look for it. Yeah, that all our, our founders obsessed with how we can make the can more intelligent. Yeah, yeah. So the scale, we, we is something no like idea. a scale. So anyone yeah. listening, if they have ideas, let me know. But <laughs> every day he's like, "How about NFC?" And you're like, "Yeah, okay, Ron. Like, let, hold on, we got a lot on our plate right now." Um, but he's he's fascinated by how to make the can smarter. Um, can you tap the can and it like locks a feeding? Can you? And we'll figure it out. But uh, it's one of those nice to haves right now. So send that to me. I'll be excited. Yeah, I'll find that. There's a lot of yeah, a lot of cool things. I know Thomas is Thomas's electrical engineering background, so he loves all the like 
connected things. <laughs> is anything with like embed, like if you go, um, like at our old, Sean and I used to be roommates too. And the last place before we stopped being roommates at, we're still business partners though, um, was um, um, like connected like motion sensors to like, um, like light diode or just the um, like light sensors just to see like how bright the room was. And then that would like turn on the LEDs, like the kind of like airplane walk lights almost around the place to a specific like brightness for a specific duration, depending on the time of day. And like, yeah, it was, I I think any type of like physical digital product that I've never gotten a chance to really explore. I worked for a brand called Kangaroo, which is low cost edge computing home security for about two years. Um, but they had way smarter product minds than me, and I just focused on marketing because uh, they had they had engineers and really smart people trying to figure it out. So maybe we'll get the can to be intelligent. I'll get to dabble in that too. Yep, it's it's funny uh, this your company and your product uh, is getting me thinking about my brother's company, um, and they're like hilariously opposites. <laughs> Um, and, but he's also on Shopify. So there's a lot of things I'm thinking about of like, Oh, I wonder if they're thinking about this, but his company is called parting stone and they're a, uh, a death care company. So the opposite side of life of you guys, um, (laughs) and they invented a process to turn ashes into stone, uh, called solidified remains. And we built his, his experience on Shopify as well, because it required some, I would assume some similar, uh, like quiz or upfront like things you have to know um but i was talking to him last week about like tracking uh tracking things you know through the process and we were just throwing out ideas of using blockchain uh because i know that's a big thing right now in supply chain um have you guys considered using blockchain for supply chain it's just something that i had been looking at in the past like couple weeks we have um Transparency is incredibly important to us and we're sourcing ingredients from like some of the smartest, you know, ingredient providers imaginable. Um, To be on blockchain, it requires that every person in your supply chain participates. Um, And I think we're still considering it. We haven't ruled it out. Um, I think that retailers, should we ever decide to go to retail, um, think it's the coolest thing in the world that like we have a complete visibility into every aspect of this product, but it does require that everybody participates and everybody, um, you know, adds value to everyone's not just my understanding. And like, I'm not incredibly technical, not just kind of checking the boxes, but like thinking of ways to improve what is being added. Is there a way to start storing, you know, certificates of, Organic record, whatever those certificates look like. I don't know. That's a quality question. But like, how can let, let's not do it to check a box. Let's do it if it adds value to somebody um, was really how we were thinking about it. And then if we're doing it, it's not just an investment in the technology and our mental calories being burned, but also every ingredient partner. Um, we looked at like some lower fi tracking and tracing stuff and there's a potato chip brand that's huge and owned by a big conglomerate that has a meet your spud farmer on every bag. It's been broken for seven months. 
So it's a great indicator to me that no one cares or uses it because like it doesn't work. Um, so like, nice. Um, so we have to get to the point where like people would want to use it and get value, but like, it's definitely still on the table. It's a great call. Um, another founder, you guys are really just like driving home the things that my founder cares about desperately (laughs) that, um, I also care about, but have, um, unfortunately backlogged until we can give it the right mind share. Um, both the like physical can and track trace transparency. We, um, uh, track trace reminds me of when you're talking about the potato chips. Um, do you get, do you have happy eggs like out there? There's there's like, so there's certain types of egg companies. They're like the, they're like, Hey, these are pasture raised and so forth. But depending on which brand you get, sometimes they have a little, they, they, uh, the carton has printed on it, like the name of the farm. And then there's a little card in it that says like, Hey, look on the carton to see which farm it is. And then you can go see their webcam. Um, and so I've done it a few times and it's really cool to see the chickens. I would love to meet the actual chickens that have in that, but that's like a lot of contact tracing, but at least I can see the flock. So it's kind of fun. We, um, we talked to IBM about their blockchain for food um, early on and they gave us some case studies. And there was a coffee one that allowed you to send an I'm uh, WhatsApp to thank your farmer, which I thought was pretty neat that you could just like, appreciate them and like added some humanity to coffee's notoriously like not great to the producers. I think coffee and chocolate are like the biggest kind of push for fair trade. I thought that was pretty cool. Um, the users have to want it. Like users have to be there. It has to be key. Um, or you have to get credit from a retailer or, you know, garner press or really just need it for something else i don't know it's it's something we're thinking about it's a great call um can't wait otherwise yeah people, otherwise people won't use it, it for, yeah for seven months and yeah, yeah no one will know I mean, maybe yeah. people are trying to track their spuds or whatever i think it's dirty dirty brand potato chips or kettle it's kettle kettle brand which is like a pepsi company um, <laughs> you think that you think they'd figure that out Kettle brand. Yeah. Maybe it's not Pepsi. Maybe I gave him bad rap. <laughs> but um, yeah, it's not uh it's not great. It was, it was my tell that no one cares. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Absolutely. <laughs> oh, it's owned by Campbell Soup Company. Oh, interesting. Yeah. So they have they have the resources to fix it if anyone cared. Oh yeah. <laughs> oh yeah, for sure. Cool. Uh, we're coming up on time here, so I want to get into the final uh, roadmapped rapid fire questions that we ask in every show. Um, I know I just right. sent you these to you last night, so uh, if you didn't uh, have time to prepare these, uh, sorry about that. A little more <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right. So, number one, what books are you currently reading or that you recommend? Um, Selling Naked by Jesse Horwitz is kind of cool. like his guide to. D2C, super smart founder, founded Hubble Contacts. Um, and I think it's just like a great study in asking questions, testing big hypotheses, learning, pivoting, moving, taking big bets. Um, really smart guy. Awesome. Uh, number two, what podcasts are you currently listening to? A horrible podcaster. We don't drive in New York, so I think that that's why. 
Yep. <laughs> um, I like the Rashida Jones and Bill Gates podcast a lot. Um, I haven't found any like great professional podcasts, but I do. I think it's called Rashida Jones and Bill Gates Ask Big Questions. I think I like the format a lot. I think that they play really well together. They have nothing in common. Um, they're both just really smart. Because of their gravitas, they get pretty impressive uh, guests on there. Um, and then just a bunch of trashy true crime stuff. <laughs> Got to love this. <laughs> love it, yeah. Uh, number three, what tools can you not live without as a product manager? Um, I am like a don't reinvent the wheel, try to like steal from others. So Wappalizer to just like look at everyone's tech stack. Um, I think Ghostery, which is like, I think an ad blocker initially, but you can load it and look at every tag that's firing and also block the tag. Mm. So you can look and see what optimizely campaigns are running, what monetate campaigns are running just block by blocking the tag, which is pretty neat. Those are my big ones. Just like getting really curious and like trying to figure it out. Um, also think that uh, paying for um, similar web is worth it. Just figuring out people's traffic sources, where are their users coming from, trying to understand as much as you can before you have to ask people's questions. Yep. Cool. Uh, number four, what are your top three most used apps on your phone? All right, I did look this up, and it's embarrassing. If we're going by battery usage, mine are yes. Instagram first, surprising, mail second, and then TikTok, which must be new. Um, I probably do spend a lot of time on TikTok. But Slack wasn't in there, which is, like, shocking. My music one wasn't in there, shocking. But those are the top three. All right. The, the battery app tells the truth. Yeah, I guess. Or, like, they just drain battery, one or the other. <laughs> yeah. Uh, number five, what app or tool feature have you recently been surprised by? Um, been really surprised by Segment. Um, it's a customer data platform that is just incredibly powerful and has saved us writing tons and tons and tons of logic. Um, all of the notifications that would have to be hard-coded and all the decision logic for this community platform we're building is now living in Segment. It's also going to help us syndicate things like this person is experiencing this challenge right now. They might be a prime candidate to like start hearing about formula and learning more about formula and syndicating out to ad platforms. It's just like so powerful and so easy to use. Um, used to be much more affordable is my understanding. <laughs> not, not so much anymore, but um, still relatively affordable and really pretty surprising the deeper I get into the documentation. Nice. Uh, number six, who do you follow and get inspiration from? Um, not people, brands. I like, you know, I think under building something that we hope to be big, you know, you have to kind of look at the D to C darlings and the ones who have hit those kind of, inflection points i think between like 100 million and 150 million in sales is like a big inflection point and then hitting 150 million in sales so really kind of looking at that sweet spot 100 million which is mostly i think in apparel um and then those just d to c darlings caspers harry's glossier um following everything they do following their job boards how are they organizing teams um 
how's their tech evolved? Has it, what features have they added? You know, have they invested or doubled down things like SMS? Why not? Um, that's who I follow and get inspiration from. I use milled and follow like all of their emails. I don't want all of them, but milled.com just to kind of like see the trends and where they're putting promos and investing communication. Um, that's who I like follow and get inspiration from. I think. Cool. Um, all right. And the last one, number seven, are there any product management trends that you're excited about in 2021? Yeah, I think more of a forcing function than anything else. And kind of going back to that segment comment, I think the iOS kind of new rules and this like battle between Facebook and Apple around data and privacy is going to force product managers to get much closer to marketers, get much closer to customer data, get much closer to how we're syndicating and storing it. Um, It's going to be a great exercise in who's actually smart and who got lucky by like, you know, finding a pocket of Facebook that just drove their business, who really understands their customers And it's going to, I've always straddled performance marketing and product my entire career, back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. And there's such synergy. It's really about understanding the customer, advocating for the customer, advocating for the user, understanding the user um, and their motivations. And I think we're going to see this as like the great forcing function that forces product folks to do that rather than throw up a universal site tag and move on and let a marketer figure it out. They're going to have to help pass behaviors and motivation. It's going to be nice. I think it addresses that um, kind of common word, like product market fit. Um, yeah. You, you have product in there and you have marketing in there. Um, right. So you have to have both for something yeah. to be successful. It's ever, everybody's chasing it always. Yeah. And like, I think people, take this like term growth marketing and bucket it into performance. And really I think the two disciplines just have to play so nicely together. Um, I think we're going to see it. I, I think that some of the browser crackdowns were almost there, but this app crackdown, nobody understands data collection, storage and targeting an apps as it is. It was always kind of a black box and uh, now they're, they're not going to be able to lean on that black box. They're going to have to get smart and, write out what calls need to be made to segment or another customer data platform. Um, yeah, it'll be interesting. Excited, to Maybe the wrong word. Everyone's job is about to get a little <laughs> harder, but I think it'll be for the better. Better for the user. Yeah, I, I agree. Uh, uh, cool. If anyone, when, the, when the tie goes in, you see who was wearing pants, like who really <laughs> got there. Yeah. Like who really understood their customer and who was just like, lucky and had a good Facebook buy-in, you know, a good product market fit and some good creative, like who was understood what the motivation was, who was well-funded and like take a loss. Yeah. That's such a good analogy. I I can totally see a nice, uh, nice comic being made for, for PMs (laughs) with the tide tide going out. (laughs) Yeah. Cool. If anyone listening wants to reach out and learn more about you, uh, where can they go? Oh, I'm BJ Jacobs on everything. Send me a DM on Twitter, Instagram, um, TikTok. TikTok. I don't even know why because <laughs> I've never posted anything. But um, I, I'll find you if you post anything. <laughs> apparently, because I spent a lot of time on there. Um, and then LinkedIn, BJ Jacobs. I think it's slash BJ Jacobs. Great. Well, thanks so much for being on the show. This is awesome. Appreciate it, guys. Thank you.